What's going on, guys? This podcast is sponsored by the We As Start Talking podcast. This is a place for great conversations, topics, and stories from people just like you and me. This podcast is focused on changing the world one conversation at a time, like my own show. Each episode features a new guest, and along with various hosts, they're going to explore raw, honest, and vulnerable subjects all in an effort to start talking about it. It's that simple. They release episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every single week, so there's a fresh conversation waiting for you. You can find the We As Start Talking podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast from. You can also check out their website, weas.ca. That is W-E-A-S dot C-A. The We As Start Talking podcast, making the world a better place, one conversation at a time. Go check it out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special guest all the way from Cali, Shyless Mandrakar, head of I uh, of AI over at Wicked.io. Uh, Shyless, thank you so much for hopping on the program, man. I cannot wait to talk about all this crazy, wonderful, beautiful AI stuff. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me. Looking forward to the podcast. Absolutely, man. So for those who don't know, AI and what DeepMind, AlphaFold's DeepMind, what they, what they don't know, guys, what happened was they solved a 50-year-old biology challenge with protein folding, where they couldn't mimic the way proteins were folding. They could just get, I think, a couple of years ago, 50% accurate. And now this time it was close to 90%. And I believe that was, and correct me if I'm wrong, 17 points higher than the next best team. So they just blew it out of the water. And I think with AlphaFold, I want to get your, your first reactions of this. And I guess talk about what can be done with this result. And how does this mix into COVID? There's so many pressing questions here. <laughs> yeah, so you, you asked uh, several questions in that one, um, Sean. So let me break it down. So first of all, I think it's important to tell people, uh, you know, what the problem has been. And this has been a real, really a remarkable uh, kind of advancement uh, uh, with AlphaFold, right? So before we talk about that, let me step back and talk about the problem what biological sciences have been trying to solve for uh, probably last 50 years or so. And it's the problem of actually predicting uh, the structure of a protein. So protein, as you may know, are they're made up of amino acids. And what a protein does is really dependent on, you know, its 3D structure, right? And being able to predict that 3D structure is a nightmare. So there are several, uh, you know, uh, uh, techniques which have been used in the past, right? So there are popular, most of the popular techniques are using NMR, what they call a nuclear magnetic resonance, or more recently, uh, they use cryo-EM technology to be able to predict uh, those uh, 3D structures. But this is the first time where an approach using AI was able to make this significant advancement. And AlphaFold is actually, it's a deep learning open source library from DeepMind. It's a Google company. Google bought them about, uh, I believe, two years back for about $650 million. Okay. And uh, uh, that company has been on the forefront of AI research. And with AlphaFold and more accurately, AlphaFold 2, 
uh, they were able to leverage uh, DNNs, deep neural networks, or more accurately, CNNs, uh, what we call convolution neural networks, to be able to predict uh, the 3D structures of this protein. Okay, and they were able to do this with almost 92% accuracy. So what AlphaFold released just last month was they were part of this benchmark uh, by a third-party organization called CASP. Uh, CASP, uh, I, I don't know what it stands for. Uh, it's, uh, you can Google it, but it's, it's predictions about neural nets. Okay? And essentially, uh, AlphaFold was able to participate in that benchmark and being able to predict the structures by almost 92% accuracy. Okay, and that left, left people just dumbfounded, right? I mean, it, it was a huge, huge advance, right? And it's going to open so many doors for us, okay? So the next part of your question was, well, what is that you can do about it, right? So, uh, you know, it, the first part of this puzzle is being able to uh, predict the 3D structure of the protein, okay? And once you are able to predict that 3D structure, the next step, becomes that, hey, now how can we find a molecule which actually goes and binds to that protein structure? Okay, so that's the second half to be able to produce cures or do drug discovery either for, you know, cancer, it could be for dementia, it could be for COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, what we call more accurately, right? And um, uh, what's happened uh, particularly with COVID is, again, this is going to be an, uh, remarkable advancement uh, also for COVID. In fact, uh, you know, AlphaFold is al already using uh, this technology for some of the uh, protein productions with uh, COV2, right? And if you know, uh, the protein which is involved with SARS-CoV2 is really the spike protein. Uh, but AlphaFold has been very active in predicting some of the proteins involved with COVID, uh, namely ORF and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I really think people should rewind what you just said, because it's something that I don't even understand. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as possible, but I don't think people, and correct me if I'm wrong, Shalesh, they really grasp the power of this, right? Because how I interpret this as in biology and in human nature in general is if you can find, and you know, obviously it's not a hundred percent, but if you can find, you said 90%, accuracy up to these protein foldings, you can start to simulate, you know, what's going to bind to it next. And then in terms of, you know, medicinal problems, in terms of autonomous vehicle problems, like th there's so many different things in biology and science that people can now simulate with AI to help not only create these like very micro things, but ultimately will brand out to these, these very macro solutions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, right? And the protein folding problem is, is really a tough one to crack. And people have been trying to solve this for the last 50 years, right? Yeah. So this is really a remarkable uh, advancement what AlphaFold 2 has been able to do. Uh, and uh, it, it is just, I mean, this year, it seems like it's going to be an uh, AI year for biological sciences, right? So this is going to open you know, so many doors are, uh, where you can use AI for the advancement of biological sciences. And there are several startups trying to, uh, you know, take it a step further forward. Uh, we have, for example, uh, you know, uh, companies here based in San Francisco, right, like Atomwise and so on and so forth, who are doing 
small molecule discovery and they go all the way. They just don't stop at the protein folding problem, but also try and actually um, um, take part into finding a, a solution as to you know, what would be a drug uh, which can um, you know, um, actually attach to that, that protein and be able to come out as, as a drug discovery. Okay. And then, because I first heard about this, Lex Friedman, I'm sure you're familiar with him, brilliant AI researcher over at MIT. His dad, Alexandre Friedman, actually teaches in Philadelphia at Drexel University. He's a PhD in, in, um, in, um, in physics and primarily with plasma, if my memory serves me correctly. And his YouTube channel is all dedicated to AI. I saw him, he was playing a guitar while he was driving a, uh, an AI uh, vehicle. He was just driving a uh, self-driving car and he was just playing a guitar. I think he was playing like back in black with, by ACDC, something crazy. But it's remarkable when you think about the different solutions. And something that I, I wanted to ask you, the first thing that popped in my mind was, if you were working with this team and you were working with this kind of environment and these tactics and strategies, what would you ultimately want to achieve in the complex world of science and engineering and biology? What's the one problem that you would try to attack first? Yeah, well, so, you know, uh, earlier AI used to be really something uh, of a technology well, which people were just kind of coming to terms with. Okay. And as you know, more and more you see AI app applied toward you know social sciences, uh, you are seeing the power of AI. Okay, and uh, this is just one example where you see alpha fold being used for uh, you know pharmaceutical or drug discovery. But there are several other areas where AI is used. For example, we work with companies which are doing uh, you know what we call next generation sequencing. There is AI being applied for you know autonomous vehicles. There is AI being applied for cybersecurity and so on and so forth, right? So it's kind of hard to pinpoint what one thing I would want to do, right? But certainly, you know, the use of AI and more importantly, right, Sean, one thing I would like to point out is for a lot of these regulated use cases, it's not just AI by itself, right? Because these are regulated use cases, they determine life and death uh, of, of a person. And you got to have some human intervention or human supervision. And that's what we call augmented intelligence, right? Where, you know, you have a human um, kind of making the, the decisions, but for the most part, AI is, is used to actually, you know, derive uh, the information which is then presented to this human, uh, human who can make those decisions. Um, so, yeah, again, I would like to see AI being used more and more for social social sciences and social cause where it has a humongous, uh, you know, uh, humongous uh, uh, kind of uh, approach to be able to do big things uh, for humankind. Okay, and, and that's a great answer. I think, I'm not sure what I could apply it for in my, my own life other than a Siri, <laughs> other than a Google Play, something like that. Because I just, I'm not, I, I had one semester in engineering in college, right? So I, I, I can kind of, in terms of the, the mathematics and physics, the very basic mathematics and physics that I took at Penn State, shout out Penn State, I can grasp it. I can grasp the concepts and where you can apply these things. But until you can, because I think that in the AI community, 
there's a whole lot of facade. There's a lot of hoopla where like people want to solve, you know, they, they want to make a bunch of things with, with AI and it's just not credible. Like, Oh, we want to make a self-driving car, even though Elon Musk did it's, it's limited in its capability where it's not like you can go and drive like perfect example. If I wanted to drive, I'm in Philadelphia, you're in California. If I wanted to drive over to Cali, just self-driving car. You're going to have some problems because our, our computers, they're not smart enough yet, but they will be in the future. And that's the exciting part is the growth of the computer because, and I was talking about this with my one friend, robots are going to take over the world. <laughs> I think it's inevitable. I really do. It's up to the people in charge of those robots to determine humanity's sake and where we fit in this. And it's just crazy to think that, again, I, I don't know with the acceleration of technology. I mean, what do you think? I mean, for, for robots having up to the, up to par of a, of a human intellect or, or superior, I guess, like what's your, what do you think is a good timeline on that in terms of surpassing or, or at least, you know, equivalent to human intelligence? Yeah, well, so, you know, uh, again, as, as I, I like to kind of, uh, you know, step back and tell people that AI is, is here uh, not necessarily to replace uh, humans, right? But it's, it's there to uh, benefit humankind, right? And again, if you look back uh, right now, AI is just, it's kind of the coming out party, right? You see AI been applied across so many different verticals, right? Uh, of course, most prominent and on the forefront because of the pandemic we are in is really life sciences and healthcare, right? And even in life sciences and healthcare, you see AI applied across the board. So we talked about, you know, how AI is applied for drug discovery. AI is also applied for what we call next generation sequencing. For example, now the, the vaccine, which is just uh, going to be released tomorrow, uh, from Pfizer and Moderna, right? So uh, the the mRNA the approach to be able to to actually discover this vaccine uh, needed to have the genetic code decoded, and that's where next generation sequencing come in, comes in, right? Uh, it's been used uh, extensively for what we call precision medicine. Okay, so that's another use case within life sciences. The third use case I can see uh, is AI yeah, been used for clinical diagnostics. So now there's more and more companies who are just looking at x-rays and CT scans and so on. And they are able to predict uh, anomalies. They are able to uh, look at it and tell, hey, what's the likelihood of you, know, you getting COVID in next two or three months or so on and so forth, right? So these are tasks which the, the computers can do uh, extremely well. They can just keep looking at things and, and they are able to derive anomalies and so on. But that's just life sciences. If you look back at AI, uh, it has equal ability for, I mean, I look to look at, I, I like to look at AI uh, from the prism of events which happened particularly in 2020, right? This has been a phenomenal year in, in all sets, right? Something which we have never experienced before. So there was a pandemic, <laughs> there were a lot of natural disasters here, particularly in California, like wildfires and so on. So AI and computer vision is now applied for, uh, you know, uh, what we call humanitarian assistance and disaster recovery, right, uh, HADR. So it's used to, you know, you have uh, drones flying over, capturing images uh, by, by virtue of computer vision and so on. So that's another area where you see AI being applied. Uh, yet another area AI being applied is cybersecurity. So we had this elections in, in 2020, 
and you know uh, cybersecurity and the AI, uh, the use of AI is is coming on the forefront. Uh, there are several companies like you might have heard about CrowdStrike or Palo Alto Networks using technologies of the likes of EDR and XDR, right? EDR stands for Endpoint uh, Security, okay, and XDR stands for you know any any kind of any kind of threats and security being detected through the use of uh, you know AI ML. Uh, there is a retail industry being transformed. You talked about robot. Right, so uh, so robots are now big time used for supply chain automation. Okay, uh, there is uh, within the retail industry. I mean, if you look at uh, you know um, Amazon, essentially is one company which has you know which has benefited the most uh, from the pandemic. Right, I mean people are doing all the shopping. Everything has been done online. Right, and it's it's one of the heavy users of AI technology. Right, uh, you have uh, things like uh, you know a lot of other retailers using AR and VR, uh, what we call augmented reality and virtual reality, right, for promoting uh, their sales. Uh, that's that's retail, uh, for example. Uh, then there is uh, you know there's also use of uh, you know in in financials, right? So FSI, big banks, hedge funds, they're using AI technology for fraud analytics. Uh, they're using it uh, for churn analytics of customers, right? Uh, so pretty much every vertical you take, and there is some applicability of AI, right? Another area I could point out is, you know, now the use cases with AI are becoming more, uh, you know, uh, what we call multimodal or based on, you know, NLP and NLU, natural language processing and natural language understanding, right? The first generation of AI was still pretty much, you know, touch-driven, right? Where where you see your iPhone using the iPhone, you're using touch-driven interface. Gone are those days, right? So the next data type is going to be all driven by voice, voice activated, right? And that's where technologies like NLP and NAU uh, become uh, very significant, right? Um, so that's an area, and then it's it's going beyond even just voice, right? It's video and so on and so forth. Okay. And you see several startups coming up in this area, uh, you know, doing a lot of research and so on and so forth. So I can go on and on, but, you know, uh, pretty much AI, as I said, uh, you know, uh, coming years are really going to be the coming out party uh, for uh, AI and machine learning. And coming out indeed, I, I definitely think that's a very true statement. And with your company and your day to day, and especially for the new year, what what are you guys? Is it more so you guys are integrating with the, the software that's being updated on DeepMind's end, and it kind of is trickling down, or are you guys, I guess, like integrating your own system? I would be. I, I just tell me a little bit more about your day to day and how you guys fit into the whole AI mix, being obviously an AI company. Yeah, so good question. So everything we outlined, right? So you know, the most important asset in all of this technologies, what we talked about, or the use cases we talked about is the data, right? So data, as people say, hey, it's a new oil, it's a new bacon, right? Yep. But most importantly, if I were to explain in technical terms, data is a new source code, right? So that's that's the most important asset you, 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 you have as a company. So what we do as a company is we are in the business of being the custodians of the data sets, okay? and being able to derive uh, actionable insights from this data. So we are a next generation uh, storage company, which, you know, which, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, we are the custodians of the data set, customers store data uh, into our file system, but we ensure that the underlying technologies which are used for AI ML, whether it be 
accelerated computing, whether it be GPUs, whether it be FPGAs, whether it be uh, AI accelerators, they are able to get data in and um, you know in an appropriate timeline, right? Uh, we are fitting those uh, humongous machines in a timely manner such that they can do their uh, experiments in a timely manner, right? So that's that's one of the things we do, uh, extremely fast, high-performance storage, but also being able to manage that data, right? So uh, this humongous data has to be managed throughout its life cycle, right? Somewhere you are, you got to be able to operationalize that data, right? And that's where, you know, uh, and a company or an organization who is able to do that effectively is really going to, uh, you know, uh, be the, the next successful organization when it comes to AIML. So that's what we do. Uh, we are a next generation storage company. We provide storage systems, which are on-premises, also based in cloud. Okay. And we provide hybrid workflows as well and, uh, and so on and so forth. And we have customers pretty much across all of these uh, use cases, which I just talked about whether it is autonomous vehicle, whether it be life sciences, whether it be NLP, NLU, and so on and so forth, okay? Yeah, and that's so fascinating to me. I mean, <laughs> I have a bunch of people that are my brother's age, my younger brother, Ryan, who they're actually hopping into AI and they wanna, you know, I'd even send them your way to be interns and just work for free because they're, they're so fascinated as, as am I. And as my older friends are, everyone's really fascinated about this whole, this whole industry too, man. It's it's something that I, I don't think people take serious enough and they don't take, they, they just think it's, um, they can't completely grasp it because of the mathematics and the technicalities of it. But once people can understand the true, the true power of this, I mean, it's much more than the, the self-driving car. There's so many different avenues. And then something else is also incorporating blockchain technology in with with ai because how my mind and again correct me if i'm wrong if these are two different things but i think that blockchain and ar very they're eerily similar in the fact that their systems their systems have just the whole conveyored layered system that builds a blockchain system and an ai system i think is eerie it's, it's very similar um because I was working on a blockchain conference. It was the, the blockchain world conference where you would have people who founded coins and they would go pitch their thing. This is in New Jersey, right? And between you and me, it was uh, dude, it was a miserable failure. I mean, we had like John McAfee, the big uh, tech guy, that crazy lunatic on there. And he said, oh, I'm going to be in Jersey. But, and he never showed up. He was a no-show. So we actually had to call in via Zoom. And we had to have a whole conversation. Thousands of people showed up and he was on the big screen and people didn't even complain. They were just excited to see McAfee. They were like, all right, whatever. But it's back to the, to the whole blockchain thing. That's how I look at it as there's, there's a, a, an unlimited uh, possibility uh, with blockchain and with AI. It's just, it's really all about how you practically use it. It's, it's like, you know, code. It's like Python, HTML, Java. It's the language fundamentally, like in, in language that we're using right now, English, Spanish, Portuguese, all these beautiful languages, you can mold different things in it, but it's a universal code, a universal tool, quote unquote, that allows you to build these unique things. So I'm just so fascinated by it. I mean, th this is something that I'm going to be you know, researching for, <laughs> I don't know how long we're going to be in quarantine, but that's what yeah, I'm Yeah, no, I think that, that's a great point. Yeah. 
that's a great point you brought out, right? So uh, blockchain, as you may know, is another disruptive technology, right? And it kind of goes hand in hand with AI. So at, at, at the essence, it's really about, it's, it's a distributed ledger technology, right? But I'll give you one practical example of how it has been used with AI, and particularly in the life sciences uh, example, what we talked about earlier. So what happens is, right, all of these pharma companies uh, because of the regulations and because their data is their key IP, uh, they don't want to share their data uh, right uh, on the outset with each other. And what that does is kind of that hinders uh, the advancement of AI and neural net models and so on and so forth because you need data and good amount of data um, right uh, to be able to train those models. So what is happening now is, for example, uh, there is an organization called Melody uh, which is a federation of all the pharma companies coming together. Okay. And they are using uh, blockchain as a technology to be able to actually uh, share data between them, right? So uh, the, the neural net models are now actually trained on their individual data sets without having that data to leave their data centers, okay? okay. And healthcare has certainly, uh, yeah, so healthcare and life sciences have certainly seen a lot of advancements on how these neural nets get trained. Right. Uh, for example, there are new kind of trainings which are coming on the forefront of the likes of what we call federated training or, uh, you know, uh, there is this transfer training. Right. Trans right. And what that essentially it does is, you know, you, uh, you transfer training is essentially you have neural net trained on one kind of data set on one domain. Right. For example, say you have a neural net trend uh, for autonomous vehicle and you take that autonomous vehicle neural net trained model, and then you feed it with data associated with life sciences, right? And for the most part, it is able to decipher that data and so on. Federated learning is slightly different where, you know, you have a neural net trained on one for pharma company's data sets, okay? And then that model goes around on, and it works on say, you have Pfizer and Merck, right, for example. So that neural net gets trained on the Pfizer data set, it uh, gathers all the intelligence, and then that neural net, not the data, is transferred to Merck's data center, for example, and it gets trained on Merck's data sets, okay? And that is how it, it, it uh, gets together, uh, you know, those, uh, uh, th that learning from all that data set across all of these pharma companies uh, without uh, their data sets having to uh, uh, actually uh, move from their data center, right? So it, it's a really fascinating technology and they're using blockchain to be able to federate uh, that, that whole workflow, okay? And that's a good example of how AI and blockchain is used together. So from blockchain and AI similarities, it seems like, like you said previously, that data is the currency of which this system lives where if there is no data and there is no reoccurring model to continuously retrieve that data then you guys are dead in the water it's like for instance if i you know need to it's it's like what's a good example real estate right like let's say i own a property and i get five hundred dollars every single month that's reoccurring revenue right whereas if i was to buy a storage unit every month and then sell it that's it's a one-time model right? There's, there's sure I might, I'm still getting money, but it's, it's not a built system. It's not a built system at all. And it's very limited because I have to put more manpower into getting that storage unit where with real estate, 
and with the, the reoccurring data model like you were just explaining, it's, it's, it's a lot more feasible and it's a lot less manpower, work, time and energy um, that you guys can use that system to go in, just create. So it's, it's a building block. That's how I interpret it as. Is that right? Yeah. So again, I mean, uh, data is more and more. There are new business models associated with, with data coming on the forefront, right? So you could have it delivered to you perpetually. You can also have access to it on a subscription deal basis and so on. Yeah. Right? Uh, but uh, that's going to be your next forefront, right? So all the companies, are, I mean, the data is going to decide, you know, uh, the neural net is, is only as good as uh, the data it has access to. Okay. And, and, you know, the ver veracity of that data, right? How good that data is, how fast you can get access to that data, how fast you can do what we call ETL processing, right? So you got to pre-process that data before it's actually fed uh, to a neural net model for training purposes, right? So that's going to be very crucial. Uh, and that's where, you know, uh, now a lot of the focus is now shifting on operationalizing these data sets and operationalizing the AI ML pipelines. So that's the next frontier of challenge for these big companies uh, who are on the AI ML journey. Okay, and speaking of big companies, so for like Facebook and Google that are, are in trouble right now with like, they're always in trouble with Congress about selling their data. So how do you go about distinguishing? Because I know I, we understand that there's terms and conditions that we sign, whereas people, more intelligent than me and you combined can put it in a way where they're essentially, you know, using your data. You, you don't consciously, you're like, Oh, that's what that means. But it's actually, it's black and white. Once you really take a look at it, like a, like a fine print, like a lawyer does with that magnifying glass. Oh, they're actually retrieving the data. I guess in terms of getting that data, harnessing that, obviously there's a legal way to do that, but how, how would, and again, is it like, for, from from your case, from your company, where do you guys source your data from? Is it something where you're getting it from specific mediums or you're buying it from like a third party company? Like how do you guys go about acquiring new data? Well, so in our case, the data belongs to the customer, right? So we provide them the storage to be able to store that data, right? So the customer sure. uh, is, is actually responsible uh, for their own data set. They leverage our technology but you bring up an interesting point that because data has become so much, uh, you know, uh, so much at the cornerstone of everything we do with AI, there are a lot of other uh, things which come on the forefront. You mentioned Google and Facebook and so on. And uh, some of the things to point out is, you know, the privacy of data, right? Uh, how's, uh, how do you uh, make sure that there is no biases and uh, prejudices, right? Uh, sure. with that data set and the AI ML models, what you, what you are basically using. Uh, and particularly this is true uh, so much for um, regulated use cases, but even increasingly so for other use cases as well. Uh, same thing happens uh, with what we call, uh, now there is, uh, you might hear terms like responsible AI, right? And this is really the ability of, you know, uh, being able to decipher and, and neural net experiment and be able to determine why an experiment behaved the way it was supposed to be, right? For example, uh, take an autonomous vehicle. And if an autonomous vehicle, uh, for some reason, were to turn left when it was supposed to turn right, right, you got to be able to better find that out as to why did that happen? 
And those neural nets, for the for the most part, they comprise of several hidden layers, and they're like black boxes, right? So it's very difficult to able to decipher um, those those neural nets. But uh, another approach, what a lot of companies take, is well, the, that neural net is now trained on certain set of data sets, right? Which is what imparting that intelligence to that neural net. So why not keep a tab on that data set, which was used for that neural net training and be able to decipher that experiment, right? And that's essentially what, you know, uh, responsible AI is. Another aspect is, well, how do you, how do you store that data uh, with all uh, with, in an encrypted format, right? That you're making sure that the data is, is encrypted. It's, it's not, um, you know, uh, likely to be stolen and so on and so forth. So a lot of co companies are now using encryption as a way uh, to be able to store that data, uh, uh, including our company as well. Okay, And then there are a lot of advancements happening. Like for example, Facebook AI just released a library called Krypton. Okay, And what that library does is you can use tools like TensorFlow and so on with, with that library or PyTorch, more importantly, right? PyTorch is, is another tool set, which is now becoming very popular um, with um, deep learning particularly. And you can use that library, Krypton library, to be able to work directly off of encrypted data sets, okay? And that kind of, uh, again, uh, goes back to that problem uh, of what we were talking about, companies not willing to share data sets, right? But now you can have those neural nets still be able to uh, shared among all those companies, right? While they're working on their encrypted data. Okay, so that's yet another kind of technology which is going to come on the forefront um, of, of this landscape. Yeah, and again, another good point made, I think in terms of using people's data, it's all about how, it's like COVID. You go into a place, you have to wear a mask, whatever. It is, it's not my, it's not my cup of tea, but just for, you know, I mean, whether you want to believe in science or not, that's what, a lot of people, including me, believe that yeah, wear the mask and, it, and it's, been, it's been helping with COVID. I don't think we need to debate that, right? Now, in terms of AI and user uh, friendliness and user um, accessibility and just overall um, just giving people what they need, again, back to my original point with, oh, are people going to use these robots for good or bad? It's the same thing, right? Where you need to be you need to have advertisers, which in, in terms of my, that's my world is, is advertising and, and digital marketing as a whole. We do virtual reality too with virtual tours for properties and such. So that's where my, you know, fascination with AR and VR came into it. Uh, Cause that's what I do on a daily basis, but you need to be responsible with it because I know a bunch of my clients who I'm not obviously going to say their name and throw them under the bus, but and people that I've worked for that are starting their own company, they just want to get as much data as possible and just shove, you know, all their ads down their throat. It's like, you need to do that in, in the way that's going to best serve, <clears throat> excuse me, serve the consumer where if they want to buy a new iPhone, great, sure. You can, you know, throw, throw that up there. But I, I think it needs to be, there needs to be a convenience factor where in, in, it's going to be hard to do that. It's going to be almost impossible to do that because you look at social media in general, you look at TikTok, you look at all the ads all the YouTube videos, there's just so much, everything's saturated. You know, there's just so many videos out there. It's like, who's the real expert? You know what I mean? Cause everyone has an opinion. Everyone can have a mic. Everyone can do this podcast and, and do their own show and, and really have that voice. So there needs to be a filter. There needs to be some sort of filter where again, from a um, unbiased person, I think 
to have that bipartisan agreement from user and company, okay, my data is going to be used strictly for, for X. And again, you know, whether Google or Facebook is doing that or not, you know, I, I'm, I haven't the foggiest and it's, it's a rabbit hole that I'd probably need to spend many, many hours of high as balls, just surfing, surfing the, the interwebbings of, of YouTube and, and Reddit uh, to find out. But it's just, uh, that's my two cents is if you're doing it safely, if you're doing it uh, in a way in terms of the data usage and, and selling and buying, um, then, then that's it. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. So, you know, along with all these new technologies that comes in, you know, a lot of responsibility, right? And you got to absolutely use this, this technologies, new technologies in a very responsible way. Right. And as I said, uh, the, the, the use of AI uh, is is really multi multifaceted, right? I mean, it is growing by leaps and bounds, right? So uh, what what you talked about kind of brought yet another use case in my mind, right? So another use case you would see AI being applied is what uh, people call RPA, you know, robotic process automation, right? And it's another technology, uh, a kind of very popular technology, and it's used for business process automation. Right, so this is where uh, you uh, you see a lot of your uh, traditional uh, uh, business applications now being transformed to be able to leverage AI, right? But again, you got to do all of that in a very responsible way because these are all a lot lot of them are regulated industries and regulated applications. Right. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, the whole thing with Cambridge Analytica. I mean, it's. If Facebook's doing that, check out the little companies that are under the hood. You know, there's probably millions of them at this point. But with that said, man, I, I really appreciate you being on, Chalesh. I think you shedding a light on this not only is going to really build my viewers' mindsets and just give them more of an open mind on AI, but just in general of this whole amazing feat and accomplishment that AlphaFold with DeepMind was, uh, was able to do. So I appreciate you being on, my friend. And um, I guess plug whatever you want. I mean, what, what do you have going on? How can people find you? What, how, how ultimately can they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me, Sean. Uh, it was a really pleasure and it was a good conversation. We, we cro- covered a lot of ground, right? Across, <laughs> across for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah, so sure, I, I'm on LinkedIn, right? Again, uh, my name is Chailesh Manjrekar. I had AI uh, here at Vekayo. I'm on Twitter. Uh, uh, at shell dot underscore at shell underscore manager at uh, at twitter dot com. Okay, um, so yeah, I'm pretty much on all social media. So feel free to reach out, uh, and would be happy uh, to to talk to you soon again. Okay, and um, I hope uh, happy new year to you and your viewers, uh, and look forward to more podcasts with you. Absolutely, my friend. Thank you so much. Hope you and your family and your team stay safe during this crazy time. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. All right. Take it easy, buddy. Bye-bye.